We're taking up with the uh, reading of the Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita, just where we left off, which was uh, only yesterday. This is from the Adi Lila. Uh, chapter 1, text number 92. Tarmade Mukha Banchak Kaitava Pradhan Jaha Hoite Krishna Bhakti Hoi Antardhan The foremost process of cheating is to deliver, excuse me, the foremost process of cheating is to desire to achieve liberation by merging into the Supreme. For this causes the permanent disappearance of loving service to Krishna. The desire to merge into the impersonal Brahman is the subtlest type of atheism. As soon as such atheism, disguised in the dress of liberation, is encouraged, one becomes completely unable to traverse the path of devotional service to the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So this um, is one of the main themes of what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's teachings of Gaudiya Vaishnavism and of his disciples, the Goswamis, and of the Srimad Bhagavatam. One of the most quoted verses from Bhagavatam is from 10th Canto 2nd chapter, in which demigods praying to Lord Krishna from within the womb, heralding his personal appearance and mentioning that he's the supreme authority and the origin of everything, also say, Ye nevra vindaksha vamuktamaninas tvayastabhava da vashuda buddhaya aruya krishchena paramparam tata patantito nadrita yushmarangraya. That real liberation means that one reestablishes one's relationship with the Supreme Personality of Godhead because that is our constitutional position. And when I say that, I mean we are servitors in various uh, modes of love for the Lord. And if we don't have that relationship, if it doesn't reawaken and we're not actually established in that, then Bhagavatam says, for lack of that, what other, whatever other type of liberation that one may achieve and we should put so-called liberation, uh, one will eventually slip from because it's not constitutional. And therefore, one can't maintain it. And patantya uh, da, again, one will fall back from that position. And specifically, the verse mentions that the Lord is personal. Yeni arvindaksha vimuktamaninas. He has um, lotus eyes and there's a personal relationship there. In the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says, Vita Raga Kroda Manmaya Mamupashrita Bahavo Jnana Tapasa Puttamadpavamagata. He mentions three obstacles to advancing in devotional service and coming to the perfect stage and says one must give these up. Vita means to give up. Vita Raga Kroda. Raga means an irrational attachment to the material world 
this is today when I was getting ready for uh, an engagement this afternoon I was um, <clears throat> putting some of the things in my pocket that I usually do one of them is a um, well I need this to demonstrate that what happened the this is chapstick or whatever they call it now lip balm and um, I was looking somewhere else but I was reaching on my desk and instead of grabbing the tube of lip balm I was actually my fingers were grabbing onto this which is the um, <laughs> it's kind of round actually about the same size I kept grabbing at it and trying to pull it and um, <clears throat> Obviously, that is not this, and so I wasn't <laughs> wasn't able to pull it and put it in my pocket. And I finally looked down, as, and because uh, I was in a hurry, I, I was, you know, there was a millisecond of exasperation, like, why isn't this coming up? And when I looked down, I was going, of course it's not coming up. It's not the right thing. <laughs> and so, there's a way in which uh, raga or a irrational attachment to that which is not the thing it's not what we where we can actually connect to that is the whole material world which is a reflection of the spiritual world and therefore my endeavor to grab it and put it in my pocket is uh, <clears throat> futile and frustrating and it doesn't matter from what angle I try to grab it it's the wrong thing it won't work <laughs> So Krishna says, you have to give that up. You have to come to knowledge and see that that's the wrong thing. Don't grab at it. And then paya means fear. Uh, one has to become enlightened or the, the light of knowledge has to come into one's life so that one can see that relationships are not bad. Paya means I fear relationships because either I'm separated from the good ones or I have a bad one. And there's a sense that I should just withdraw from relationship altogether. This is one of the ideas behind impersonal liberation. Is instead of having a relationship with the Supreme, I'll withdraw from it. Because in my present experience and previous experience, through which I've left some scars or impressions in my mind, of, of relationships, they, they've all terminated at a certain point or have they've been painful so krishna says you have to overcome the fear through knowledge you have to come overcome the fear of relationships so that you can have a relationship with me and then finally he says uh, krodha the anger that arises because of the material covering and because of frustration because it's very confusing without the parampara, without hearing transcendental knowledge, like the Bhagavatam is perfect medicine, perfect medicine. If you can hear Bhagavatam over and over again from beginning to end, you'll know everything. You'll know all human psychology, every um, <clears throat> reason why not to hold on to the material world anymore. And you'll have the perfect vision of the Supreme Personality of God through which you can embrace him from within your heart and through your practical activities. It's the perfect literature emanated from uh, the lotus mouth of Srila Vyasadeva and his, right after his Samadhi, Samadhi Bhashya. And um, it's a 
grave warning from Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu that one should not associate with those who have the misconception of uh, God being impersonal because that is not just a damper but it is death for the spirit of bhakti the idea that God isn't a person so this is a um, often mentioned um, <clears throat> fact that we have a relationship with Krishna and without it we will be um, adrift in the material world as we have been for many years so that's a great impetus to develop one's love for the Supreme Personality of Godhead so I'm just going to read that verse again Tarmadye. I wonder how come there's no word for word on this. Do you have a special view here where we're deprived of the word for word? Tarmadye Mokshavansha Kaitava. This is called Kaitava Pradhan. The chief means of uh, cheating. The foremost process of cheating is this idea of, of moksha vansha, the desire to merge into the Supreme. Jaha hoite from which Krishna bhakti hoi antardhana. There's a disappearance. The foremost process of cheating is to desire to achieve liberation by merging into the Supreme for this causes the permanent disappearance of loving service to Krishna. The foremost process of cheating. The desire to merge into the impersonal Brahman is the subtlest type of atheism. And it's interesting that it's a subtle type of atheism. Why not just outright atheism? Because there's a way in which those who are so-called intellectuals often gravitate towards this idea of the impersonal because that's what one comes through to through speculation. You can only negate the material world, but you can't understand the Supreme Personality of Godhead in our relationship with him without the mercy of a pure devotee and, and performing pure devotional service. Therefore, those who are so-called intellectuals will conceive of this a type of uh, merging into the impersonal Brahman as the uh, ultimate goal of life, not knowing that it's uh, antithetical to the real purpose of religion. But it's presented in a so-called intellectual way, and it's very subtle. So it can sneak up on you in the sense that uh, it may be presented that this is actual spirituality, religion, and so forth. But it's not. It's atheism. As soon as such atheism disguised in the dress of liberation is encouraged, one becomes completely unable to traverse the path of devotional service to the Supreme Personality of God in. So interesting language again. <laughs> I mean, look at the metaphor here. He, he, the, the impersonal liberation is coming in a disguise. So here it comes. To, uh, impersonal liberation, you can see it in a, in a it's coming in a disguise. And then if you encourage it, if somebody's encouraging it through writing volumes of books about it, through giving seminars, through teaching disciples that you should merge and so forth, and pushing people in that way. 
it's the greatest disservice to humanity, to, to any a person, to encourage them in that, in that way. Klesho di kattarastatesham avyakta sakta chetasam avyakta hi gatir dukham dehavadbir avapyate. This is cleared up by Krishna himself. That's why the Bhagavad Gita is so neat. In 700 verses, everything's cleared up. And when Arjuna asked Krishna which is better, the impersonal or the personal, and, and Krishna says, Klesho di kattarastatesham, there is trouble, klesha, misery, when you try to take to the process of impersonal liberation. So don't encourage it. It shouldn't be encouraged at any time. And be careful Be careful when you see it disguised. Oftentimes people who claim that they're lovers of God will write poetry and songs and so forth, or you might go to hear even a recitation of a Vaishnava literature, but if they're Mayavadis, then a Vaishnava Mukun Girnam Putam Harikatam Ritam Shravana Naivatartav Yam Sharpo Chishta Yatapaya. It becomes poisonous because the vibration is is uh, impure because the person actually wants to merge into the impersonal absolute. Even if they're talking about Krishna, they don't mean Krishna. They don't have love for Krishna. They they have this uh, very um, selfish in the worst way, idea of impersonal liberation. Okay, I'll keep moving. Text 93. So this is a verse from Sridhar Swami, the great commentator on the Srimad Bhagavatam, included in this uh, Chaitanya Charamrita by Kaviraj Goswami, Prashabdhina Mokshabhisandhir Api Nirastaiti. So, Prashabdina, by the prefix pra, an intensifier, moksha abhisandhi, the intention of liberation. Api, certainly, nirasta, nullified, iti thus. The prefix pra in the verse from Srimad Bhagavatam indicates that the desire for liberation is completely rejected. This is an Annotation by Sridhar Swami, the great commentator on Srimad Bhagavatam. So all the great acharyas are in agreement, and we need this uh, a great we need this agreement of the various great souls to come forward and give us a clear indication. Don't go here. In the story Chaitanya Mahaprabhu tells to Sanatana Goswami, there's a very poor man, and he has no prospect in life and no money and is morose. And then he meets Sarvagya, the great astrologer who can see into people's lives, their past, future, and present. And the astrologer looks at the man's chart, studies his palm, and then he pronounces, Sir, you are not a poor man. You're actually wealthy. How is that? Your father was the richest person in the whole nation. And although you're his estranged son, uh, he died and left you his full inheritance. What's more, I know where it is. It's buried in the yard, that treasure. And then he goes on to tell him that there's four ways to dig from it. That is through the four directions. 
and you need to keep it on there. And he indicates that there's a there's a south, north, west, and east. And each one of them has obstacles that will prevent him from taking the treasure except for the east, which is the way in which he'll be able to get the treasure to dig for it and get it easily. The others are fraught with the problems of materialism, mystic yoga, and merging into the absolute truth. And these are all um, preventative from him getting the, uh, getting the great treasure. So, um, the uh, Acharyas go to great length to make sure that we know not only that there is a treasure, that what the treasure is, and then to tell us what the process is to get it. And this is uh, the Srimad Bhagavatam and Chaitanya Charitamrita, that there's Sambandha Gyan reawakening us to the fact that you're not poor, you're actually rich, you're, you're connected to the Supreme Personality of God. And then there's Abhideya, here's how you act in devotional service. Here's how you connect to the Lord. And Prayojana, you come to the goal through that process. So look at what we have here in these books. I want you to just behold the fact that we have uh, selected quotations from the great Acharyas, the likes of which uh, the modern world has, has never even, could never even conceive of. Uh, the, the intellects, the oceanic intellects of these great Acharyas like Sridhar Swami. And um, here we have uh, the, the words that he wrote so words themselves and uh, mantras like this they're like spiritual fossils you can take them from previous eras and they're preserved here actually by the great spiritual scientists like the goswamis and then they're given to us so that we can look at them and understand uh, what a previous um, generation or many generations ago that were steeped in spiritual realization are speaking to us. So this is a, this, this is a hand-picked uh, verse from Kaviraj Goswami spoken by Sridhar Swami and just see how nicely the, the parampara works and then it's passed down. And uh, amazingly, we're making this kind of information available to the world. Unfortunately, people are a little distracted these days by so many other things. Okay, let's see 94. Krishna Bhaktira Bhadaka Jatta Shubha Shubha Karma Seha Ako Jivera Jnana Tamodharma Krishna Bhaktira of devotional service to Krishna Bhadaka hindrances Jatta all Shubha Ashubha auspicious or inauspicious karma activity seha that ek one jivera of the living entity agyanatamaha of the darkness of ignorance dharma the character all kinds of activities both auspicious and inauspicious that are detrimental to the discharge of transcendental loving service to lord sri krishna are actions of the darkness of ignorance. So in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says, uh, 
Shuba Shuba Palereva Mukshashe Karma Bandhanai. He said, by this process of devotional service, you'll become free from both auspicious and inauspicious things. Someone may ask, why do I want to become free from auspicious things? And throughout the, the ninth chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna talks about the ways in which people try to create auspicity in their life. Daivi Sampat. They try to get spiritual, they try to get some kind of pious credits so that they can elevate themselves. Tetham Bhukva Swargalokam Vishalam Jinye Punam Martyalokam Vishanti Evam Traidharman Anu Prapana Gadakata Kama Kabalavante. He then goes on to say that. Uh, even through the Vedas, the auspicious rituals that people perform, uh, they may go up to the heavenly planets, but then again they use it up and they fall right back down into the material world. So this is kind of cheating uh, to try to stay ahead. The karma mimamsas, they think this is the all in all, that you just always try to stay ahead of the game and stay in the heavenly planets by doing these Vedic rites and so forth. But Krishna in the Bhagavad Gita says, nope, that's not the process. We're not trying to elevate ourselves in the material world anywhere. It's all inauspicious. The whole material world from top to bottom. On morning walks sometimes probably would bring out the most um, interesting and relevant observations just from along the, the walking trail. For instance, in India where people, in villages especially, they'll pass stool just on the ground or animals of course are free to go wherever they wish we uh, uh, there someone you may see some stool so Prabhupada once pointed out a stool and he said look there's a wet stool and a dry stool or on the top part because the sun's dried it out it's dry so someone say well that's the good part the bottom part's bad because it's wet but Prabhupada says it's stool is stool it's wet stool or dry stool it doesn't matter <laughs> you may quibble over it similarly you may you may be in jail and you may have a, a better cell than somebody else. Who cares you're in jail? So the whole material world is inauspicious, except for those who uh, connect everything to the Supreme Personality of God through the process of devotional service. So it's ludicrous that all the different ways in which people try to glorify the material world or find a better situation here. And those are both auspicious or inauspicious, devotees don't care. It's all in the same category. Purport. The poetical comparison of Lord Chaitanya and Lord Nityananda. Did I read the purport? Uh, the translation. All kinds of activities, both auspicious and inauspicious, that are detrimental to the discharge of transcendental loving service. To Lord Sri Krishna, actions of the darkest darkness of ignorance. Purport. The poetical comparison of Lord Chaitanya and Lord Nityananda to the sun and moon is very significant. The living entities are spiritual sparks and their constitutional position is to render devotional service to the Supreme Lord in full Krishna consciousness. So-called pious activities and other ritualistic performances, pious or impious, as well as the desire to escape from the material existence are all considered to be coverings of these spiritual sparks. The living entities must get free from these superfluous coverings and fully engage in Krishna consciousness. The purpose of the appearance of Lord Chaitanya and Lord Nityananda is to dispel the darkness of the soul. Before their appearance, 
all these superfluous activities of the living entities were covering Krishna consciousness. But after the appearance of these two brothers, people's hearts are becoming cleansed and they are again becoming situated in the real position of Krishna consciousness. So uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Lord Nityananda appeared, of course we know, like the sun and the moon, to dissipate the darkness of ignorance and thus wonderfully bestow benediction of all. So this is the um, uh, declaration of Kaviraj Goswami at the outset of Chaitanya Charnamrita. They're like the sun and the moon. So in a practical way, we follow Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and the way that he brought that light to the world first as a child. We know that he appeared during the lunar eclipse. It's a very inauspicious time. Rahu, Ketu come together and then everything, all one's pious credits get diminished. So people go into the Ganga and they uh, chant Hari Hari while they're in the Ganga, free themselves from the influence. That's when Mahaprabhu was born, when everyone was chanting. And then when he was a little baby, he would uh, um, cry until the the devotees around him and his parents would chant Hari Hari Hari. And then he'd stop crying, wah, 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 hari, hari, and then he's become happy. And so he, he induced the chanting of Hare Krishna from the very beginning, at the time of his birth, and then when he was a little baby. And uh, then as he grew up in the village, uh, he, as uh, a young boy, uh, he became a great scholar. And uh, first he, he induced all the village uh, relatives and friends and everyone to chant and then he, he induced everyone at school to chant. He became uh, one of the teachers in the toll or the school of Gangadas Pandit and there he was um, the most desired teacher. Everyone wanted to be in Nimai's class because he was such a uh, brilliant scholar. When he came back from Gaya after meeting his spiritual master Srila Ishvara Puri, then he began teaching in a slightly different way. He they would ask, what is the meaning of verbal roots? And he would say, all verbal roots mean Krishna. In fact, all words mean Krishna. Everything means Krishna. <laughs> he was presenting everything in relationship with Krishna. And the students went and complained to Ganga Das. And they said, uh, we're not sure. Is this correct? He came back from Kaya. And now he's teaching something different. And Ganga Das came back and told Nimai, it's a great honor to be able to teach in these schools like this, to teach it correctly. And Nimai said, bring any scholar here and ask him to try to defeat my position that everything means Krishna. Bring anyone and I will prove it that it does. And so in his, in his youth, he uh, brought all the students and uh, intellectuals, teachers, he then, um, you know, enchanted all the grahastas. You know, he did live in grahasta life to enlighten people uh, that were in the grahasta ashram. Most of his disciples and followers were in the grahasta ashram, Srivast Pandit, Advaitacharya. And um, <clears throat> he had many pastimes there. Uh, when he was in the home of Shachi Mata, he was married to Vishnu Priya uh, one day. Uh, Sachi Mata said, you know, last night I had this dream. I dreamed that uh, you and Nimai had come into my 
house and you had gone into the temple room where Krishna and Balaram are and you had picked up those deities and you were taking them out and then an argument started. Uh, two children to two children argument. And you and Nimai were saying to Krishna and Balaram, this is our place now and this is our age and all these sweets and all these offerings that are coming, these are our offerings now. And if you don't leave, then we'll have to apply beating to make you leave. And in this way, there was arguing, arguing going on between Nimai and Nitai and Krishna and Balaram in her dream. And so she, Shachimata, the next day said, you know, Nimai had the most extraordinary dream last night. She explained this dream scenario to him. She's, Nimai said, this is very, I'm very happy to hear this because I was having some doubt because every day Vishnu Priya makes an offering of Boga to the deities and then when the offering comes back much of it is gone and I was actually wondering whether she was eating that Boga or or if it's actually being taken by the deities and now hearing this story you've given me great faith in the deities so many pastimes in his Grahasta uh, ashram that way he enchanted everybody in the village then he took sannyas to go out to enlighten all the renunciates so in this way from babyhood boyhood then in his grahasta ashram then in the sannyas ashram first thing he did he went and converted the greatest of scholars and then he went around south india he met all kinds of great renunciates and scholars and Mayavadis, and he converted them to Krishna consciousness. And meanwhile, he sent Lord Ananda out to go door to door. Well, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was going and meeting the greatest scholars, sannyasis, and so forth. He told Nitai, so you go find all everybody else. <laughs> you go up into East Bengal, which is now Bangladesh, and just go door to door and get all the common people. This way, like the sun and moon, they went everywhere. This is the campaign of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Lord Ananda to bring that light to everyone and simple teachings they brought. He said, Bolo Krishna Bhajo Krishna Koto Krishna Shika. Just teach people the basics. Chant Krishna, worship Krishna, and um, take all the instruction from Krishna, from Bhagavad Gita, and then your life will be successful. Can I just see that purport again? Yeah, so they dispel the darkness of the soul. And here Prabhupada mentions about the superfluous covering. So I just want to bring your attention. I'll enter into evidence. Another important verse from the Srimad Bhagavatam. This is from 3, chapter 20, text 18. And here we have the uh, ways that the soul gets encased in various subtle uh, layers, superfluous coverings. We can get an idea for the categories of these coverings. So here in this verse, Sasarja vidyam paravanam agrataha tamisram andatamisram tamomoha 
Moho Mahatama, Tamo Moho Mahatama. First of all, Brahma created from his shadow the coverings of ignorance of the conditioned souls. They are five in number and are called Tamisra, Anta, Tamisra, Tamas, Moha, and Maha, Moha. That doesn't sound good, Maha, Moha. <laughs> okay, um, purport. The conditioned souls or living entities who come to the material world to enjoy sense gratification are covered in the beginning by five different conditions. The first condition is a covering of Tamisra or anger. Constitutionally, each and every living entity has minute independence. It is, my, it is misuse of that minute independence for the conditioned soul to think that he can also enjoy like the Supreme Lord. <coughs> or to think, why shall I not be a free enjoyer like the Supreme Lord? This forgetfulness of his constitutional position is due to anger or envy. The living entity being eternally a part and parcel servitor of the Supreme Lord can never, by constitution, be an equal enjoyer with the Lord. When he forgets this, however, he tries to be one with him. His condition is called, when he forgets this, however, and tries to be one with him, his condition is called Tamisra. Even in the field of spiritual realization, this Tamisra mentality of the living entity is hard to overcome. In trying to get out of the entanglement of material life, there are many who want to become one with the Supreme. Even in their transcendental activities, this lower-grade mentality of Tamisra continues. Unta Tamisra involves considering death to be the ultimate end. The atheists generally think that the body is the self and that everything is therefore ended with the end of the body. Thus, they want to enjoy material life as far as possible during the existence of the body. Their theory is, as long as you live, you should live prosperously. Never mind whether you commit all kinds of so-called sins. You must eat sumptuously, beg, borrow, and steal. And if you think that by stealing and borrowing, you are being entangled in sinful activities for which you will have to pay, then just forget that misconception, because after death, everything is finished. No one is responsible for anything he does during his life. This atheistic conception of life is killing human civilization for it is without knowledge of the continuation of eternal life. So, of course, the famous Charvak Muni propounded this by saying, beg, borrow, steal, but get ghee. And because it doesn't matter how you get enjoyment, it doesn't, it's not consequential. Uh, <laughs> And in modern society, they're all, uh, there are many philosophies that propound that we are um, not responsible for activities because we're only a combination of uh, chemicals. And so when they are disengaged or they dissolve, then what's the difference? Uh, and, and this encourages people in the way of materialistic living because uh, subtly or overtly, one may present this idea that it doesn't matter. But Chaitanya Mahaprabhu says it does matter. Become aware of the fact that uh, everything you do has a consequence. And therefore, you should, you should be responsible. 
That's what spiritual life is. It's res taking responsibility for uh, whatever condition you're in now. Self-help is all like that too, but Lord Chaitanya is the greatest of all self-help teachers. This andatamisra ignorance is due to tamas. The condition of not knowing anything about the spirit soul is called tamas. This material world is also generally called tamas because 99% of its living entities are ignorant of their identity as soul. Almost everyone is thinking that he is this body. He has no information of the spirit soul. Guided by this misconception, one always thinks, this is my body, and anything in relationship with this body is mine. For such misguided living entities, sex life is the background of material existence. Actually, the conditioned souls in ignorance in this material world are simply guided by sex life. And as soon as they get an opportunity for sex life, they become attached to so-called home, motherland, children, wealth, and opulence. As these attachments increase, moha, or the illusion of the bodily concept of life, also increases. Thus the idea that I am this body and everything belonging to this body is mine also increases. And as the whole world is put into moha, sectarian societies, families, and nationalities are created and they fight with one another. Mahamoha means to be mad after material enjoyment. Especially in this age of Kali, everyone is overwhelmed by the madness to accumulate paraphernalia for material enjoyment. These definitions are given very nicely in the Vishnu Purana where it is said, Tamo viveko moha syad anta karana vibrama. Mahamohas tu vignyeyo, gramya bhoga sukhaishana, maranam hyanda tamisram, tamisram krodha uchite, avidya pancha parvaisha, pradhur bhuta mahatmana. So there it is, there are these coverings that are naturally there, good to know, because then we can identify them and know that there are coverings to our actual spiritual existence and um let's just check in on the chat box for a second from Madhava govinda prabhu who says why is why are mayavadis more condemned than outright atheism because there's a way in which uh the in the shri shapanishad it is said and therein it is said that uh, knowledge uh, no ignorance is bad but worse than, than ignorance is so-called knowledge. And probably gives the example of a snake with a beautiful um, jewel on its head. And so you may be attracted to it and then you'll be bitten and die. So so-called knowledge looks attractive and it's misguided. It's um, cloaked in spiritualism is Mayavadiism. And therefore, people, they tout it as some kind of religious process. But actually, uh, that leads them further into the practice and the dedication of it, thinking it's something noble. 
and that's why it's it's worse. And then uh, Ankita said, um, "It's a it is amazing and inspiring to know how a respectable scholar, Sarvabhaumavacharya, who did not believe in personal form and qualities of Krishna, initially could write such great song as Ujjwala Varada." Thank you for sharing this beautiful song with us. Really relishing the song. It is true that Krishna compassionately pulls impersonalists from Brahman to God consciousness. How should we treat them when they are preaching in a group and they're, they're, and they're how we are preaching in a group and there might be one? Yeah, you should uh, teach them from Bhagavad Gita about Krishna and also um, you can. Uh, read Krishna book too because when people hear Krishna book they're able to overcome these subtle coverings by the power of the sound vibration of Krishna's pastimes Shrinvatam Swakata Krishna Punya Shravana Kirtana Pridyantakstohi Badrani Vidunoti Suritsatam people get attracted and then they give up their their desire to merge who'd want to merge when you can be with Krishna and then we have uh, Sukha Kamat who said Hari Krishna Hari Bol <laughs> Reflection The desire to merge into the impersonal Brahman is the subtlest type of atheism this is like saying I would prefer to cease my existence but serve the Lord This sounds like a very heavy statement for devotees to accept and follow Jivara Sudapoy Krishna Nityadas This is a living entity's constitutional position and if one decides to not render devotional service, a living entity is cheating himself by committing spiritual suicide and depriving Krishna of his enjoyment of us. So that's nice. Seeing the plight of this situation and how heavily, heavy Krishna would feel when a spiritualist wants to merge into impersonal Brahman, devotees take a painstaking task to extricate, extricate the concept of impersonal liberation and go all over the universe to teach by example loving service to Krishna and reestablish a personal loving relationship with Krishna. Hare Krishna Govinda, Anda Tamishra, considering death to be ultimate end seems similar but opposite to Abhinibeshita, a tendency to cling to life. Any co-relation uh, between the two? Well, yeah, because people, and actually it's one of the, the um, anartas that, uh, Patanjali mentions in the in the Yoga Sutras, he said one of the main anartas and obstacles to yoga is uh, clinging to life. That is clinging to the life, uh, the body, and so forth. And if one has that, then um, death is just a scary thing because you think it's the ultimate end. Why would you want to end? It's it's against our nature to want to end. There is no end. And then from Nikunja, Aniruddha says Hare Krishna to everyone. Aniruddha Jai Chand Prabhu. And then we have Chaitanya Mahaprabhu from Nikunja, the, uh, Vasani. Uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu openly distributes love of Godhead to everyone without discretion. Even an atheist, whoops, it's moving so fast. Even an atheist, so Jagai Madai. The most abominable characters can take to Christian consciousness. Why is it that the Mayavadis cannot be converted? And why is it not a good idea to preach to them? No, the Mayavadis can take to it. 
as we saw in Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's pastimes, that uh, Prakashananda Saraswati and all his people, they became devotees. They, they were converted by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, but we're said not to, not to, uh, to associate with them. Preaching is another thing, but we have to be careful too. So it's just um, that we shouldn't um, mix freely with them. Uh, Bhakta Luke says, thank you for this class. Enlightening purifying Kata Harival. Um, Christian book suggestion is accepted by Ankita. Radhavinkat, can you explain this verse? Similar subject, ninth chapter, 915. Well, this verse, in this verse, uh, Krishna's covering a lot of territory in this, in this ninth chapter. And he's... Uh, naming the different kinds of people and how they relate to him. This is done in various places in the Shastra to explain how everyone has a relationship with Krishna, but they see from different perspectives. So Andamoy is a perspective that many living entities have that uh, God is food. They're not thinking God is food, but their relationship with God is through food because that's all they can do is eat. Like plankton in the ocean, they just eat. I'm not sure what they eat, but if someone looks it up, we can know. And then um, there's uh, anamoy, pranamoy, becoming aware that there's some life, and then gyanamoy, viganamoy, anandamoy. So there are various uh, levels of the awakening of consciousness uh, through which one perceives God, because there only is God to perceive. There is nothing else. But how much we're able to appreciate him depends on our appreciating capacity. And so here, uh, before this verse, jnana yajnina chapyanye yajanto mamupasite ekatvena pritaktvena bahuta vishuto mukam Krishna has said, satvatam kirtayantamam. He's talking about the devotees. And then he said, there are others who have... Uh, some fragmental appreciation of me. Um, the verse describes these people as um, being four, uh, one without the second, one without a second, just in per, uh, the total one with no energies, diverse in many in the universal form. So the purport of this is This verse is the summary of the previous verses. The Lord tells Arjuna that, that those who are purely in Krishna consciousness and do not know anything other than Krishna are called Mahatma. Yet there are other persons who are not exactly in the position of Mahatma, but who, Krishna, who worship Krishna also in different ways. Some of them have already been described as the distressed, the financially destitute, the inquisitive and those who are engaged in the cultivation of knowledge. But there are others who are still lower, and these are divided into three. One, he who worships himself as the one, as one with the Supreme Lord. Two, he who concocts some form of the Supreme Lord and worships that. And three, he who accepts the universal form, the Vishvarupa, of the Supreme Personality of God and worships that. 
out of the above three, the lowest, those who, have, who worship themselves as the Supreme Lord, thinking themselves to be monists, are most predominant. Such people think themselves to be the Supreme Lord, and in this mentality they worship themselves. This is also a type of God worship, for they can understand that they are not the material body, but are actually spirit soul. At least such a sense is prominent. Generally, the impersonalists worship the Supreme Lord in this way. The second class includes the worshipers of the demigods, those who by imagination consider any form to be the form of the Supreme Lord. And the third class includes those who cannot conceive of anything beyond the manifestation of this material universe. They consider the universe to be the supreme organism or entity and worship that. The universe is also a form of the Lord. Have you ever heard anybody say that, um, you know, I'm going to pray to the universe, get me a new car? Oh, the universe was kind to me. <laughs> I passed my exam. So all these are actually some kind of recognition of, of God but they're very fragmental and uh, and in some cases disjointed but as Prabhupada very liberally points out here well you know there are different ways of worshiping different kinds of God worship in any case uh, does the hellish planets with the same names have any relation with this uh, these types of ignorance ignorances yes the material uh, universes are are um, categorized by the, the, the uh, environments there and the various coverings uh, in those environments that uh, restrict people's uh, access to the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And uh, we say, Om Bur Swa. These are describing realms of consciousness in the material world. Om Bur Swa, Tatsavitur, they're going higher and higher to understand the, the various realms of consciousness. Uh, Shredder Devi Dasi says, Bhagavatam 3.20.18, first of all, Brahma created from his shadow the coverings of ignorance and the conditioned souls. How to understand Brahma's shadow? Is it some sort of metaphor? In the material world, we understand shadow to be just a spot where nil or not enough sunlight is falling. So, um, Brahma is a, a very um, advanced being, and he's also um, a creative being. Even uh, advanced yogis, because of the luminosity of sattva, um, it's a science, actually. There, there is an underlying technology that can be understood behind the material nature, behind prakriti, and how it works, and how it's all uh, woven together. Uh, those who go inwardly and can um, uh, elevate the the level of sattva in their intelligence, for instance, can see things that we can't see because they resonate with the higher modes of nature, which are luminous and, and which give them complete clarity. Not only that, they can do things that we can't do. Um, you know, transfer themselves to various places uh, using the subtle powers of the material nature. Prabhupada points out, this is, our, this is being done in the modern world through technology. Uh, you know, you may say, well, that sounds fantastical. Well, so does an iPhone sound fantastical. In fact, when I was a kid, there was a show called The Jetsons, and it was supposed to be, it was a, a cartoon. Uh, 
uh, and it was supposed to be about this futuristic family. And, you know, they had things like, you know, phones they could talk on or Dick Tracy had a watch. I have one right now <laughs> that you could talk into. And everyone thought that'll never happen, you know, but it happened because there's a way in which if you understand the, the subtle workings, like oh, many of you do, engineers, how, you know, electricity works, how um, mathematics works and how you can use it to manipulate nature, you can do many wonderful things. So these beings are, are uh, very advanced and they're, they're very, uh, and Brahma, I mean, he's such in a rarefied atmosphere, his body's not like ours. And it, it's, it's uh, extremely creative. Just by his saying mantras, he creates, and um, yogis sometimes, they take a hair from their head, they can, they can make a demon. So it sounds fantastical, but actually it's all true. And so it's just, uh, without getting too precise, which I don't even think I can about Brahma specifically, but the point is that he, he has such uh, shaktis because of his uh, rarefied uh, condition. And then we have um, Ananta Goranga. If Jiva is eternally conditioned, does it mean we are in material world and with bhakti trying to go to spiritual world if the jiva is eternally conditioned does it mean we are in material world and with bhakti trying to go to the spiritual who who knows what the, uh what that means exactly I'm not sure we are uh conditioned eternally conditioned these terminologies, eternally conditioned, eternally liberated, there's a way in which um, once you're eternally, if you're eternally conditioned, if you take to bhakti, you can also become eternally liberated, anitya siddha. You can become liberated from the material world, and then you're no longer considered eternally conditioned. So there's some semantics there that can be understood. So when one takes to the process of devotional service, even while in the material world, even in this world, if you take to the full dedication of Krishna consciousness, then you're no longer considered a conditioned soul, but you're liberated even in this body, even in this world. Let's see if there's any questions from the Zoom room. Even though there's tons over here on the side okay anyone wants to, i just need a human voice for a minute go ahead thank you sure Prabhu. then we'll pronounce oh, Prabhu, i had a quick question for what you mentioned earlier in the day uh earlier in the class where you were speaking about raga um and then anger and how anger arises from um this irrational attachment to matter but in our daily lives i'm noticing that anger can come from many due to many different reasons sometimes it can also arise because we see that something is genuinely wrong not because you know we necessarily want something out of the material world is even that anger coming from the fact that we're really attached to a certain outcome or like what are the different forms of anger and what's justified by the chakra and what's like what is not um pure well, pure anger is when, when you're using it in Krishna's service. 
but be careful about that one because it's really easy to just lose your cool and then say, yeah, I meant to offer that to Krishna. <laughs> uh, anger is very dangerous because it can, it can get out of control very quickly and uh, causes a, a lot of problems. And fundamentally, uh, anger has to do with uh, frustration you know there's it's a kind of a frustration as krishna mentions in the gita where he says you start meditating on your prospects here in the material world and then you get attached to them either subtle or gross and you think like okay this should work out for me and it's kind of idea of enjoying it you want it and you make a sangha with it that's mine and then from there, sangat uh, sanjayate kama, that lust arises. I get really attached. Kama krodo bijayate. And then from there, after you don't get what you wanted, then there's a sense of anger. So it's sort of a, arises um, very fundamentally out of the sense of not being able to enjoy in the way that I want to enjoy. And. Um, there's uh, an all-pervasiveness to this in the material world, as long as one's connected with rajas. There's a whole section of the Bhagavatam where it's described how Rudra is the source of anger, comes from Rudra. And it, there's this kind of fiery energy where you see fire, where you see anger. These are manifestations of Rudra in the material world. So only people who become satisfied in a, uh, transcendentally, vishaya vini vartante nirahara sadehina rasa varjam raso pyasya pyasya param drishva nirvartate can rise above this frustration that leads to anger. So if you're transcendentally situated, there's a way in which uh, you can actually use transcendental anger. And there, the difference is, as Prabhupada explains in, in the Gita, when you become when you're affected by anger, you you become polluted by it. You'll notice that you got you yourself were burned. And and usually when you get angry, and Prabhupada points out too that sometimes uh, nations get angry at each other because you know why should you exist? Only we should exist. And then they go to war, and then he says both of them are ruined. Both of them are ruined. And so when we get angry materially, uh, it, it's a very inefficient kind of energy. And you pr produce anger and you direct it towards somebody and then you burn yourself while you're doing it. And so then you don't get what you want. But if you're transcendental and you become angry on behalf of Krishna as service, it's a very different feeling. Oh, and by the way, Prabhupada says, when you become materially angry, then your, he says, your face and your chest all become polluted. And if you've ever become angry, you can notice the, the, the effect afterwards. You try to smile and you're kind of like, <laughs> your face is messed up. And then you have this, you know, energy in your chest. And uh, people will notice it. It's, it's a pollution. Of energy. Thank you, Prabhu. That was very fascinating. Sure, it's all coming out on our book on anger management. <laughs> Hare Krishna, Prabhuji.
Oh, Hare Krishna, Bali Mardan. So, I think you are reading on the chapter of Chaitanya Charitamrita and how Lord Chaitanya interacting with different sects of people and defeating, which starts with even Mayabadi, Buddhist, Jain, even in Islam and various different faiths in India. But there was no interaction in Christianity, even though the church in Kerala and Goa was there 500 years ago when Lord Chaitanya was there. So there was no conversation in terms of uh, Vaishnavism and Christianity by Chaitanya. But there are many other conversations with different faiths there. Do you have any evidence or do you have any idea why it has not happened? He, no, I don't have any evidence as to why it, why it didn't happen. It's just not mentioned, as you said. But as Prabhupada used to say with some things like that, he left it for you. I, while you were speaking about the ways in which Mahaprabhu um, brought others to full knowledge, I was uh, remembering also the, the ways that he did that. For instance, when he dealt with Sarvabhama Bhattacharya, he uh, was very submissive to, to the Bhattacharya and presented himself as his student. And when the Bhattacharya wanted to change his uh, form of sannyas to a higher, upgraded to a higher level of sannyas, um, Mahaprabhu really wasn't objecting to anything. And when he said that I want to teach this young sannyasi uh, how to be a real sannyasi and, and so forth. Uh, others, you know, complain, but Mahaprabhu said, no, no, I should, should learn from him. And um, Gopinathacharya was there. He's like, he knew who Mahaprabhu was. So he objected Sarvabhum was being condescending to him. But Mahaprabhu didn't object and he sat with him for seven days and just listened to Sarvabhum's talks and then, uh, revealed his uh, godhood to him in and through his intellect he it revealed it and with Prabodhananda saraswati these mayavadis in um, banaras he first impressed um, Prabodhananda saraswati because of his humility because when he came in to sit with all of them he sat down in the in the most lowly place in the assembly you know how you can you know you Anyway, he walked in and he was just very humble. His whole demeanor was humble. And then he was effulgent. So that was this combination. His effulgence that he showed and then sitting in a lowly place. And Prabodhananda came over and he took him by the hand. He said, no, no, come sit up here. And Prabhupada said that he got this Agyata Sukriti, special spiritual benefit from helping Mahaprabhu. And then uh, Mahaprabhu then through logic and reason, he talked about how the Vedas are set up to take one to an understanding of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, and he led them to the chanting of the holy names. And if you look one after one at the ways uh, that Mahaprabhu brought people to Krishna consciousness, you find they're not only very inventive, but also very sweet. Uh, he, was, he, he approached people in, in various ways according to their needs, interests, and concerns. So boy, did that go fast. The time went fast. There's still tons of uh, questions left on the board. I should answer Balaram's. Why does it say that even the desire to escape material existence is also superfluous covering of the spiritual spark? 
because just escape itself is not an answer. Because uh, it's not that um, the material world is uh, inherently bad. It's just that we don't know how to utilize it properly. When one takes to devotional service, for instance, Prabodhananda Saraswati, who's a pure devotee, proclaims in one of his uh, poems that the material world is in the abode of joy. How is that? <laughs> Krishna says, Tukalaya Mashashvatam, and his devotee says, it's the abode of joy. So why? Because he sees unlimited service to the Lord everywhere he looks. And for him, it's nectar. There's no more anxiety for the devotees because they no longer make any claim over the material world and they're simply dedicating themselves to the process of serving Krishna. So they feel completely happy. So the, the ultimate goal is not uh, simply to escape from material existence. Um, and that idea that it is, is a subtle misconception, also known as a covering. And Magnolia Mandir, Hare Krishna, please accept my sincere obeisances from Alabama, what a pleasure to hear from you. This inspired me to get back into Krishna book. Thank you for speaking. <laughs> well, you know, one of the reasons I felt free to say that, first of all, is because it's one of Prabhupada's masterpieces. Everything he touched is a masterpiece. But the Krishna book, I mean, it's, it's such a beautiful deity of Krishna. And um, it saved the Hare Krishna movement. And if you don't know what that means, you can read it in my book. I wrote a whole chapter on it. And um, also, I read a story in the, in the um, Bhakti Siddhanta Vaibhav by His Holiness Bhakti Vikasmaras about um, Shila. No, actually, I didn't read it there. I read, I, I, I heard it. Um, it was about um, a uh, a person who became Prabhupada's godbrother, our Prabhupada's godbrother. He went to see Shila Bhakti Siddhanta, and um, he was a Mayavadi. He came from a very uh, wealthy family and he was also a, a scholarly person. But um, the, the disciples of Srila Bhaktisiddhanta brought him to meet Srila Bhaktisiddhanta because they said, this boy has a lot of potential. He's, he moves in high places and he's very smart and he, he kind of likes us. So when he went to meet Srila Bhaktisiddhanta, they brought him in a room and uh, they had him sit down and Srila Bhaktisiddhanta then came in and sat down and he spoke from the 10th canto of the Bhagavatam about Krishna's Leela. And then he got up and walked out. And then uh, this boy started coming to the lectures and Srila Bhaktisiddhanta would speak about Krishna and, and he'd tell, uh, uh, he would give tattva, but he would also speak Leela. And then uh, every time this boy would raise his hand, Srila Bhaktisiddhanta would not acknowledge him. He didn't take any questions. And he said he came to his lectures for many, uh, uh, many months. And then finally, he found himself transformed just by going and hearing. So especially, uh, he mentioned, did this um, disciple of Srila Bhaktisiddhanta, he later got initiated and wrote many, many books, became a prominent disciple. And, um, you know, he said he was touched by that. And his impersonal conception was dissipated by hearing Krishna Kata from the mouth of a pure devotee. So when you distribute Krishna book, there's nothing like it anywhere, anywhere. 
I mean, the fact is it's 10th canto, which is summarized in such a way, perfectly summarized. We read the whole thing last, last uh, Kartik. I mean, it's just, you never get over it. If you read the whole Bhagavatam, you never uh, read the whole Krishna book, you never be the same. And, um, and then Prabhupada gives his commentary in it too, but that's not all, there's pictures. Prabhupada insisted that there be these uh, color plates of Krishna's pastimes. And they're done by artists who are under his direction. And so then you're not only reading it, but you're also seeing Krishna's form and so forth. So this is unusual. These should be, you know, distributed to every house, everywhere, in every language all over the world. And that's what Prabhupada said to do. What do you think? Is that a good idea? Haribo! Haribo! <laughs> okay. Deva Rata, good. Good devotee. Hare Krishna. Manchakopta Rusha, Kripas Nabe, Vachapatitanam, Padam, Vaishnavi, Vyavnamun Mahan, Go Premanande, Hari Hari Bo, Hare Krishna. Natchari Armarman, Natchari Armarman, Natchari Armarman, Natchari Armarman, Hey, Natchari Armarman, Natchari Armarman, Natchari Armarman, Natchari Armarman.